Big Fluff. We have no children on Mars. They have children's bodies, but with adult minds. They do not have a childhood. I've seen this coming for centuries. They are born. Our electronic teaching machines are attached to their brains while they are in their cradles. Information is fed into their minds in a constant stream. And by the time they can walk, they are adults. They've never played. They've never learned to have fun. And now, now they are rebelling. What do you advise? The children must be allowed to be children again. They must learn to play. They must learn what it means to have fun. We need a Santa Claus on Mars. Hey everybody, I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver linings. And it's our last episode of the calendar year. And our last episode before Christmas. Yep, both true. And our first time watching a Christmas movie that has Santa Claus in it. Yes, and it's the first movie to ever have Mrs. Claus in it. Yeah, beating the uh, Rankin and Bass Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer by like two weeks. I bet that killed them. Oh, Rankin and Bass were pissed. I bet they took one of the little clay figures and just slammed it against the wall and just shattered it. That's why Herbie wasn't in the sequel. <laughs> we're not making another Herbie. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, that's, 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 we can't do that again. Yeah. Uh, but no, this, month, this week we are talking about Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Yeah, we are. Which, in the, you know, much like Snakes on a Plane or, you know, like... <laughs> Sometimes a title just sells itself. Yeah. It, the the, adver- the name is on the tin. Like, it's exactly exactly what it says to do. Although, I would argue that he doesn't so much conquer the Martians. That is fair. And I would agree, yes, that I went in expecting... Well, I'll just say, because I recently watched the, the film that is in theaters now, Violent Night... And so I was expecting, I mean, it's the 60s, so I was not expecting Violent Night, but I was expecting Santa to do more fighting, I think. To actually, like, conquer the Martians. As the title promises. Yeah, and and really when you think about it, and this movie ultimately is, I think, an allegory for the Norman Conquest of England, (laughs) where it wasn't so much that... Uh, they overran with their military and, you know, raiding the way the Vikings did in England. It was more um, a slow, you know, assimilation of Santa Claus culture into Martian culture mm-hmm. by establishing Dropo as the new Martian Santa and converting some of their industry into toy making. So, I mean, he, I guess you could say he did in his own way, 
conquered the Martians. He ideologically conquered them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really the ultimate conquering is winning the ideological war. That's true. Yeah. No, that's that's a fair point. I will say also a little disappointed it wasn't uh, Santa Claus versus Matt Damon, which is what I was hoping for. He is the, uh, the canonically the only Martian ever is Matt Damon. That's yeah, true. I thought, you know, like he's he's growing potatoes and <laughs> yeah. Uh, one clue that I had that Matt Damon wasn't going to be in this is that it came out seven years before he was born. Yeah. I mean, that definitely hurts. His, it does his... hurt the chances of Matt Damon being in it. Yeah. But in our remake. In our remake, it's going to be it's going to be David Harbour, Santa Claus fighting Matt Damon for control of Mars. The question is, how do we convince Matt Damon to put on green, I'm sure, lead based paint and <laughs> uh, a bicycle helmet with uh, some ski pipe, goggles with ski and goggles some... and a pipe welded to the side of it? <laughs> That I'm sure they welded on while they were wearing it to make sure that it didn't fall off while they were, you know, acting. I mean, we're all assuming this was a, a Wizard of Oz situation, right? Where the the paint was like horrible for them to have on their face and like everything that they were ingesting was probably bad, right? Oh, 100 percent. I have I have no doubt um, that this is something like how they talked about how they the directors of this made 18 movies in 15 months. Mm -hmm. That seems like too many. That does seem like too many, uh, unless you're Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I mean, you and I are prolific at pitching movies, and I don't even think we've pitched 18 movies. Uh, not this. I, I think we at best do two a month. Yeah. So, well, yeah, it's maybe. Not, not, every, not every episode has a movie pitch. Yeah. Some of them do. Yeah, but you're Who right. Knows? You're, you're right. We, we might be able to hit like 24 at like our best if we're really clicking and that's just the pitch that is not casting pre-production production post-production post marketing release all that stuff and it's amazing. That's just saying hey here's an idea about jason going to court yeah which still look i know we bring it up a lot but that's because it should be made yes lasagna and cubanos those are two and Look, you know, uh, as is tradition, look out for our next episode to be our, our collection of pitches from 2022. Yes. So you, the, uh, you can decide what is this year's lasagna and Cubanos or Jason, Jason goes, to court. goes to court. Yeah, who knows? It, it might be the dog who saved Tokyo. It might be another pitch. <laughs> yeah. And if you're like a weird eccentric millionaire listening to this show, not Elon Musk, not Elon Musk, but he said millionaire with yeah. an M, not yeah. B. So, yeah, not Elon Musk. You're excluded from this. Yes. But if you're a millionaire and you're eccentric and you're listening to this uh, and you want to bankroll any of our films, uh, write us a check. We, we will say yes to cash. Just write yep. it to cash and send it to yes, us. Make it out to cash. <laughs> mail it. Mail it to Silver Linings Playback 123 Fake Street. Care of the North Pole. <laughs> <laughs> oh man let's talk about santa claus conquering the martians okay there's i feel like there's a lot that we just need to establish so obviously this movie came out in the 1960s and it believes and establishes that there are green martians that live obviously on mars underground so that's why we haven't seen them through our satellites or whatever they live underground on mars right so that's one two santa claus is 
Apparently he does TV interviews. Like he, yeah, he's fully real. He's fully and, real and accessible. And it's common knowledge that the mall Santas aren't the real Santa. Mm-hmm. That he's just, those are just Santa's helpers. That is now officially canon in this universe. Yeah. Which is, is the, the bit that our parents told us when we go to the nice mall and there'd be the one Santa and we'd go to the dirt mall and there'd be the other Santa. Mm-hmm. And to I, explain the two. I think that is pretty standard parent logic. Yes, but this established that is true fact because Billy and Betty, uh, every American said that that was true. I don't think this movie, by the way. So, and again, we, there's not a lot to set up. It's it's pretty. I mean, there's a lot to talk about, but it, again, in terms of the pitch, I don't think we have to get too in the weeds because again, it's uh, the clip established it. The weird old Abe Simpson character uh, <laughs> told them that they need Santa Claus because their children are sad. Yeah, they go to visit Gandalf the Martian, <laughs> who's only in the one scene. They don't like go back to him and like check in. No. And say, see, did, did we do it right, Chocham the Wise? <laughs> well, I just disappeared because I'm so old. Well, I don't remember this conversation at all. What are you talking about? What did you do? Yeah. <laughs> Who are you people? <laughs> Where am I? No. Mars, the, you say? Get the Easter Bunny. <laughs> You must capture the Great Pumpkin. Uh, Sir, that special hasn't been released yet. What special? (laughs) I can see through time. I'm a fourth dimensional being existing in this space in this moment only now. Get Matt Damon on the phone. Who's Matt Damon? You'll he know. lives next. <laughs> he lives near famed historian Howard Zinn. Wait seven years, <laughs> then you'll know. Then wait another forty-one years. Oh man! And then he reappeared. That all the time later to be like, how do you like them apples? <laughs> <laughs> And they were like, what are you talking about? Lion face. (laughs) Lemon face. Yeah. So I think all that was in there contextually. Yeah. I mean, that that was the subtext for certain. Um, But yeah, no, the kids are obsessed with Martian or with Earth children's programming. Because they see a television interview that Santa Claus is doing. Santa Claus is doing like a live remote from the North Pole with a, yes. a newscaster. Who who's doing the old timey newscaster speak? Like, hey, I'm here with Santa Claus. Oh, look at him making all the, the toys for the boys and girls. Like he's doing yeah. that kind of newsy voice. Yeah. Uh and I just love that they refer to everything as programs. Like, that's great. That's a nice bit of old timiness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so they decide that they have to kidnap Santa. And one of the Martians is not having it. Yeah. Which it's interesting. <laughs> I will say the perspectives in this, like the way the Martians are presented is fascinating because that guy's clear clearly like the villain but at the same time he's the villain because he doesn't want to kidnap santa claus right it's i don't even know this movie is like lacking a protagonist maybe it's dropo the the happiest martian i don't know or the children maybe maybe it's uh kimar and or bomar and germar 
but yeah the like martian kids well it's well i was gonna say the human kids maybe oh but. yeah bob billy and betty billy and Be- they're definitely our our point of view characters like we're, we're yeah, following them. the audience surrogate yeah um santa might be the protagonist but even he is like he feels like a, a support it's like great gatsby like you can't follow santa he's he's right. there but you need another character right you to- need you need a nick Carraway. yeah but uh yeah like it's interesting let's talk about the gatsby parallels while we're at it <laughs> green martians green light it all tracks yeah <laughs> an obsession with materialism it's all there trapped in the past you know yeah. like, um really old guys spitting nonsense yeah question of authenticity and like uh one's feelings and you know motives and we're beat back boats against the current <laughs> Uh, uh, I, I think there weren't enough uh, descriptions of places as eggs. Yeah. Now there was. I mean, the Martian helmets looked egg-like, but That's there true. wasn't East Egg and West Egg. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a fair amount of misogyny. Sure. Uh, at one point, Santa, when uh, Mrs. Claus gets uh, frozen by the Martian stun ray, it's like, well, this is the most pleasant she's ever been. Ho, ho, ho. Okay, yeah, we should, two things that we need to establish right now since you said that. One, Santa Claus is kind of weird. It's kind of yeah, a weird thing. Yeah, and two, uh, yeah, first canonical appearance on screen in a film of Mrs. Claus, and she's presented as kind of a drag. Yeah, she's a bit of a shrew yeah. uh, for certain. Uh, one thing about Santa Claus, and this is just... Oh, we, so the the movie credits make it sound like a big deal that John Call is playing Santa Claus. I don't know who John Call is. Nope. Neither does Wikipedia. He does not have his own Wikipedia page. Um, so I'm like, man, gets lost to the sands of time. But either way, that's just neither here nor there. But then, like, you could tell they were one taking things because but Santa making eighteen movies. Well, that. That notwithstanding, at one point when Santa's naming the reindeer and he's like, Blitzen and Vixen and Nixon will up. Oh, I don't remember the names, but the children do. You could tell they had one one take to get that shot. Yes. That the little people had to leave in 10 minutes. So they had to get that. Yeah, he definitely fumbled that line and they just left it in. Uh, Which which does lead to this week's movie pitch. You didn't think we were going to have one because we were messing around in the beginning, but I think it's time, Andy, to tell them about our stop motion animated film in the style of Rankin and Bass, Nixon the Reindeer. (laughs) I am not a sleigh leader. (laughs) It is about a reindeer who becomes uh, corrupt with power. He believes that the only way uh, to find out what the children want is to break into their homes and go through their rooms. <laughs> and yes. and what's really, he gets all the other reindeer involved. There's a huge cover up. And, uh, you know, it looks like Santa might actually go to prison. But then, right. yeah. Uh, but then Deep Throat uh, Comet <laughs> is, is spilling all the beans about what's actually going on with Mr. Nixon. Uh, yeah, reporting it to we don't I don't know what the elf's name is yet, but there's an elf that much like, you know, the one that wanted to be a dentist, uh, wanted to be a journalist and, right. and now works at the Washington Post. 
It's uh, Woody and Bernie, the two elves. <laughs> they work for the North Bernie. Pole Post. <laughs> they meet in a parking it's a parking garage at the North Pole, and you get the silhouette of a reindeer that they're talking to. That's smoking, obviously. Oh no! You see the cherry, so you think it's like a cigarette cherry, but no, it's Rudolph. Rudolph is <laughs> yeah, that's better. Deep throat. That's that's better. You think it's yeah. like the cigarette cherry glowing in the dark, but it's like, <laughs> and it's Rudolph wearing a trench coat in the shadows. So you just get the silhouette of a reindeer. Yeah, and uh, it, it's revealed that you know that Nixon the reindeer is trying to uh, usurp control from from Dasher. Why not? <laughs> Yeah, uh, that he had he had a long he had a, a a relatively successful run as second in command to Dasher, but then there was the elections, and uh, Blitzen got elected the new leader of the reindeer, and so now he's challenging Blitzen for his throne, or his uh, lead in front of the sleigh, and you know breaks into the reindeer stuff, and you know breaks in to find out what all the toys children want, and it's all it's like why is Santa sneaking into houses only one night a year? He could be doing it every night. <laughs> We'll get a jump start on building the toys. We'll, we'll be in their houses at all times. And the mistake that he makes, I mean, he makes many mistakes, but the, the ultimately fatal mistake is that he tape recorded every conversation right. he had with all the yes. other reindeer. And so you can hear all the, all the scheming and skullduggery that he's engaging in. Yeah. Uh, Nixon the Jowly Reindeer is the name <laughs> of the special. Uh, we're going to have, we're going to find. Burl I or Burl Ives great grandson and have him write this write the new lyrics. Yeah. But yeah, look for that. Uh it's gonna take a while. Like normally we try to get these out pretty fast, but this is probably like twenty twenty eight because you know we don't know how to do stop motion and we have to like do you just gotta move the thing so much. It's so intricate. Right. Just move a tiny bit and take another take, you know, take a still frame and eventually blend them all together. Um, yeah, so, yeah, coming Christmas 2028. We're also, we're really struggling to figure out how to get a reindeer to articulate the, you know, the, the peace signs. The, yeah, though. You know, but he has to do right. it because when he's kicked off of the North Pole and he gets into his helicopter, he has to flash right. him. Yeah. He gets and the weird thing is that he can fly, but he's getting into a helicopter. <laughs> well, because he's disgraced. Right. That's true. Yeah. So maybe, yeah, maybe he's just boarding a sleigh. It's like, but you can fly on your own. Yeah. Well, plus Pat's with him. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Pat the reindeer. <laughs> and uh, his pet squirrel checkers. <laughs> I'm reminded of my squirrel checkers. And of course, the abominable snowman, Henry Kissinger. Yes. <laughs> Oh, man. Who is Yukon Cornelius in all of this? It's <laughs> a good question. Spiro Agnew. Gerald Ford. Yukon Cornelius is Gerald Ford. <laughs> we did it. This is good. This is this. I didn't see this coming this week, and it's I'm here for it all the way. Nixon, the Jolly Reindeer. Uh, anyways, back to Santa Conquers the Martians. Um, it's funny yeah. that that's the real one. Of the two <laughs> titles that you just said, <laughs> this one is an actual movie. <laughs> one happened. Yeah. The other hasn't happened yet. Yep. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so then the Martians go to Earth to kidnap Santa, but they are confused by all of the mall Santas. Right, because they did no real intel. So they just get to Earth and they see that there's like hundreds of Santas and they don't know what to do. So they do what any of us would do in that situation. Kidnap the first two children that they see. 
I mean, I can think of a lot of situations where as I came to realize, like, God, if I'd only kidnapped some children, then I would have figured it all out. Yeah. And it's weird, too, because it's like I track with them. Well, yeah, sure. OK, you you need to find Santa. Kids are going to know. So you're going to ask kids. Why do they keep the kids and take them to Mars? I don't I couldn't really oh, check. No, I, they actually did explain that is that um, as far as they're the Martians are aware They've snuck onto Earth unbeknownst to anybody. So if the kids get out, then they would reveal the existence of Martians and they don't want that. So that's why the Martians like, well, we got to keep the kids, which they very much have not like the the media is way on top of it. There's newspaper headlines. There's uh, like immediately again, because this is a Santa that like does TV interviews. It's just a front page headline that Martians have kidnapped Santa Claus. Right. Yeah, and um, so, yeah, the Martians are, although the Martians did say that they were originally flying their spacecraft, and then once they realized they might be detected, they put on their, like, radar blockers, and so then everyone's like, oh, it's just a media, it's just a meteor that uh, dissipated in the atmosphere, and then they go to NASA rocket, rocket science Werner von Green. Mm-hmm. Uh, that might come up. Again, in the silver linings, I'm not sure. Uh, and he says it's certainly Martians and they're convinced it's Martians. Then they kidnap Santa uh, with their giant robot. You know, you I, you've summarized that beautifully, but it, I think we should just take a moment to say that one more time. They kidnap, they kidnap Santa, Santa Claus with their giant with their robot. Giant robot. <laughs> uh, and I, I also want to point out in the Wikipedia synopsis of this movie, Nary a mention of the giant robot, which is criminal. And I don't know who wrote the Wikipedia entry, but do better. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to go in and edit it, but yeah, someone I'm should. Not a nerd. Yeah. I'm not a dork like that. I just do a podcast where we watch malign movies and try to find their <laughs> silver linings. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's a, and if you haven't seen this movie, first of all, watch this movie. But it's it's like the exact robot that every you know if conan o'brien had a robot in a sketch or if 30 rock had a robot like just that like classic just cheesy 1960s guy in a tin can yeah yeah looks like the corrugated arms the clamp hands the dial it's it's exactly what you when you think 60s robot yeah, it's it's close your eyes and you can picture exactly what the robot looks like. And it's glorious. And it also yeah. scoops up one of the elves first. Yes. Yeah. And Santa's like, that's the biggest toy I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, Santa, I guess somewhat understandably believes that it's a toy robot at first. Because it does look like a lot of the robot toys that came out at that time period. Yeah, it is understandable. But yeah, so then they kidnap him and then... They take him to Mars and they want him to be Santa on Mars. And he's very agreeable. Like he's not. I mean, I again, it, this is way before Violent Night and way before we as a society hardened and, uh, yeah. lo, you know, lost our innocence. <laughs> so, like, uh, you know, now it's it's completely understandable to have a, a broken, dark Santa. But this Santa, he's just he's there for the ride. Why not? This is a fun adventure. Also. Man, his shrew wife is finally frozen for a while, so he's just right. enjoying the and break. And he even said, he's like, well, I've always wanted to go to Mars. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah, and 
I also got to say, I think you're doing a better Santa than the Santa in this movie. I'm 100% am. Yeah. Uh, which you have, if people don't know, one Duke thing that we don't talk company. about enough is Andy McIntyre has on camera experience playing Santa Claus. It's true. In a film where I played Krampus. And if yes. you're wondering how to find it, you can't. So Yeah, it doesn't exist. But uh, it was a thing that we did. It, it happened like seven years ago at this point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't think I ever saw the finish. It, it's possible that it was an elaborate prank because I, don't, I never saw footage from it. On who? I, that's a good <laughs> question, too. <laughs> if it's an elaborate prank, who was getting pranked? The director. <laughs> like, we're we're going to make you put forth all of this effort and we're going to hire a couple of schmoes and... And some women and have them do this weird video. We both know there's no film in this camera. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And so they get to Mars and then the one evil Martian tries to kill Santa and they keep getting out. He tries to send him out the airlock at one point. Yeah. Like when they're in space. (laughs) And then... I mean, good, like, just reality of Santa Claus, like, the reason that he can't send him out the air, like, he opens the airlock, but the, using Santa's, like, chimney powers, they're able to get into Climb a, through the air vent. An air vent and escape. Well, and then showing that Santa is, like, the embodiment of all that is nice and good in the world, he's like, oh, well, of course he accidentally shut us in the airlock and then accidentally hit the airlock release button. He would never do such a thing on purpose. Yeah. Yeah, he does cover for him. Yeah, because Santa's a good dude. Santa's a good dude. And then they build Santa an assembly line. This movie kind of gets interestingly... uh, Political isn't the right word, but there's definitely some kind of messaging in this movie about automation stealing jobs from, you know, people, you know, hardworking... Uh, people and the fact that automation will fail you and build dolls with bear heads and bears with doll heads and uh, tennis rackets for baseball bats. I got to have that human touch. Yeah, you need the elves. You need the human touch. But yeah, so Santa just like starts Santa in on Mars. But then one of the Martians, I guess he's like a... <laughs> He's a Santa fan. He gets really into it. And the aforementioned Droppo. Droppo. And he he Droppo decides to pretend to be Santa. He like puts on his costume um and and starts like dancing around. Right. And then the evil Santa decides he's gonna kidnap Santa. The evil Martian. Kid- the evil Martian yeah. tries is gonna is gonna kidnap Santa. Uh the evil Martian is Voldar, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, accidentally kidnaps Droppo, which is, I, I honestly, I mean, I'm getting ahead of ourselves cause we haven't pivoted, even though, I mean, I think it's clear this whole movie is so silly and fun that uh, maligning it is almost beside the point, but like, yes. uh, it's great because he's wearing the red suit. He has a, a fake beard, which there is a question of where the beard came from. Uh, but whatever, like, cause they, they do justify Santa's like, oh, my my extra suit that you made for me is missing. So, like, they, right. they justify why there's a suit, but not why there's a fake white beard. But he has the suit and the beard and the hat, but he still has a green face and a giant 
dome helmet head and all the piping stuff and everything coming off the side of it. So it's like, but I guess if you're a Martian and you're looking for Santa Claus, even though you've seen Santa Claus, like if Santa Claus had a Martian face, that wouldn't be weird to you because you know, maybe he forgot what humans look like. Yeah, it's uh it's a weird movie. It's definitely a weird movie. But yeah, so they kidnap Droppo and then Santa and the other Martians figure that out. And then I mean I don't think well, it's sort of again, we're promised that Santa is going to conquer the Martians. You talked about how that it's ideologically, but it's sort of just like all resolves fairly amicably. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, but then the weird, there's a weird bit where Kimar, King of the Martians, like turns heel and says, oh, no, Santa cannot leave. And like that seems out of left field. Like after like this movie resolved one plot and then started a new one. Yeah. Like it resolved the plot of Voldor trying to kill Santa and then Santa brings joy to the Martians. End of movie. Santa goes home. But wait, there's more. Uh, then Keymar, King of the Martians, turns heel and decides that Santa has to stay. And so then they have to figure out a way to convince them to get Santa home. And then they just sort of do. Yeah. Because, well, and again, the the ultimate logic is that uh, Droppo can just be Santa from Mars. Can be Martian Santa. Yeah. And that's why this movie's a prequel to the Santa Claus. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's a little known fact that Tim Allen uh, killed Droppo. Yes, that was the actual Santa that he killed in the first uh, uh, Santa Claus movie or that he murdered him in a drug deal. I don't know. One or the other. And sold out his friends to avoid jail time. Yes. But I think Santa did Droppo off of his roof. So in that movie. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> um, so. I think before we pivot. To like just actually talking about the reasons to watch this movie because one it's it is objectively bad and it's silly and it's slapdash and all of those things um here's a fact about the movie that i don't know if it makes me love it or hate it and uh yeah so i think that's why it goes in this in-between space so uh the king of the martians and his family are kimar momar bomar and germar <laughs> And in the Wikipedia synopsis, they reveal that those names were created because Kimar for King of the Martians, sure. Momar for Mother Martian, mm -hmm. Bomar for Boy Martian, and Germar for Girl Martian. Yep. So that that is a thing I think makes me hate it. That the movie didn't let us know that that was the reason I think makes me love it. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of great, honestly. It's like, it's... Like that they just did it and didn't, you know, show their hand at all. And like, these are the Martian names. And I honestly think had I not seen that in the Wikipedia synopsis that I wouldn't have given it a second thought. Those are just Martian names that end with Mar because Martians. I honestly wish they had an extended family of like 10 more members where it's like Unmar for Uncle Martian and Amar for Aunt Martian, Aunt Martian and Cusmar and <laughs> and weird Uncle Bill Mar. Oh, man, that guy's always talking about Santa Claus and religion and and yeah, um, super problematic. And just a weird thing that uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs got correct 
and this movie didn't is that no way do the Martians call their planet Mars. That's our word. Yeah. Yeah. That is that's a very good point. Why? Well, yeah. Like, why? Why would they? Well, you know, we're already just conceding that they speak English. But uh, yeah, why would they call it Mars? We made that up. How would we know that? Right. Um. Yeah. So my first silver lining. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. No, Can I just say one thing? Because we've been very positive about this movie. This movie is one of those like so bad it's good. It's like iconic and how bad it. But I just want to say this because it's like. I can pretty much give a pass on everything, but the one thing that I did find exhausting about this movie is, man, does it love just having people state the plot out loud. <laughs> There's, which is always great writing. You just want characters to say what's happening over and over again. Tell don't scene. show. That's the first rule of screenwriting. Yeah. So I do because it's like that's the thing too. When I'm super aware, when I'm trying to find a clip. And I'm like, well, I usually like to find like a clip that like sets it up. And I, you know, obviously the one that we picked, I, I like, but it's like you could almost play any scene because every scene resets it to that moment to be like, yes, again, like you tried to throw me out the airlock. Ho, 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 ho. It's like, why is everyone saying everything that happens at all times? Anyway, it's like it's like WWE television with moments ago. So you see a replay of what just happened before the commercial, right when you come back from the commercial. But it is it's like literally every scene is when the toy, the conveyor belt, you know, breaks down. It's like, oh, the toys, the heads are on the wrong bodies. It was supposed to be a doll with a bear, you know, with a doll head. But it's a doll with a bear head and a bear with a doll head. It's like I have eyes like I'm watching. Yeah. Anyway, just wanted yeah. to get that out. I, no, just that, that, I think to, that did need to be said. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that I, I think I have a, I think I can explain it. What mm-hmm. did we just write? Oh, yeah. Let's put that in again. Just make sure that uh, that's what we just wrote. And we'll just do it again. <laughs> I get 18 movies in 12 months, I think is the explanation. <laughs> yeah. 18 movies in 15 months. In 15 was, months. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the explanation. Is this is like one point. One, two movies a month. Maybe you have to remind yourself what movie you're shooting. So they have to continue. Right. You're probably shooting. You got to be shooting some of the movies back to back like yeah. concurrently. Rather. Right. This so. is the Martian one. Right. This is Santa Conquers the Martian. Yeah. Not Santa Conquers the Venusians, which didn't get released. It's sitting there in some meat locker somewhere just collecting dust. Yeah. It was real weird that he just like fought some blinds. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyways, so I think this this silver lining uh, is the fact that this movie is a clear inspiration to one George Lucas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Because the scene on the North Pole where the ever realistic polar bear uh, tries to attack the kids in the cave looks suspiciously like the Wampa attack in Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Yep. 100%. 100%. It's I think they used the same footage because this movie's in the public domain. I want I'm actually I want to see them side by side. I'm not convinced that <laughs> Lucas didn't just use this recycled footage. Yeah. I'm half doing a bit and half not though with that scene. <laughs> I will say this since you said that and I I do think there's something there. What do you think about this? I think that this movie may have inspired The Nightmare Before Christmas. Because, Go on. Well, both of them revolve around someone kidnapping 
Sandy Claus in order to get him to create Christmas in a place where Christmas does not already exist. And so, like, I think structurally, the there's some similarities. There's there. some similarities of like going to a different world, kidnapping Santa Claus, bringing him back to your world, and forcing him to do Christmas in your world, and it going badly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Oogie Boogie, much better villain than Voldar. Hmm. Um, and much clearer hero villain structure and all that. Yeah, I think it improves upon it, but I I do think it owes a debt. To this movie. Yeah, I think that goes without saying. Yeah. Also, maybe a little inspiration for the recently released Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special, which also involves kidnapping someone and bringing them to a planet in order to bring Christmas Christmas. to there. In that case, it's Kevin Bacon. But right. And they are watching Santa Conquers the Martians on the screen at one point. Like Kevin Bacon yeah. is watching Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Yeah. Which I mean, it, it's very obvious that that movie would have lit up James Gunn's brain anyway and inspired him for sure. To do and, something. Yeah. And so I think there's a little bit of, yeah, something there. So like all of that to say very sincerely that I do think this movie has inspired a lot of creative people to do a lot of fun things and a lot of it, it has a, a sort of cult status at this point. Well, yeah, I mean, it, I think a lot of it comes from when it appeared on MST3K and there's been like riff tracks and all the other things about it. Um, and it's public domain. I mean, I've said that before, but I just want to bring it again because, Andy, I think you and I should really just release our own version of this. Like, let's do some commentary. I'm in. Yeah, let's do it. Let's just, it'll be a special uh, Patreon exclusive for the uh, ever just around the corner SLP Patreon. Yeah. Again, you can send money to cash anytime you want. Just write a check right. to cash. You don't have to donate to our Patreon. You can yeah. just give us money. And if you see us in the streets, just hand us money. Yeah. Um. No, like the other thing about this movie, and I, I think if we're in full on silver linings mode, is that like this is every stereotype of cheesy 80s sci-fi or cheesy 60s sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it is such a fun period. Like I do really love 60s sci-fi because it's you get this thing where it's like, you know, there was so much interest in outer space and like. The idea of, you know, spaceships going to other planets was such a like new and exciting and like ever present thing. But it's also very funny the way that they sort of envisioned things where it's like there's a real interest, but it's like they just didn't quite know what we know now. And I'm sure we will look foolish to future generations for all that they discover. But it's just the idea of Martians, the idea of how spaceships work and like a lot of the stuff. And just it's like there's a pure interest in it and a pure love, but also just like a weird sort of wrongheaded approach to how any of it would work. Yeah, um, I took a class in college that was one of my favorites. It was called History of the Future. Amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, part of it was actual like prognostications about looking at global trends and looking at like where the world might be headed and all that. But there's also a portion of it that was like looking at, you know, previous futurists and like how they described and explained and 
predicted about the future and evaluating, you know, how just how wrong they were. And the thesis being that, like, we're just as wrong. There's yeah. no way to do it right. Yep. Um, so it was uh, it was a fun class and it was interesting. And that I think that is one of the truisms of it. But no, like this movie, if you made a shot for shot, note for note remake of it and no one knew it existed, they would say this is the most perfect example of 60 satire of 60 sci fi that I've ever seen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's like all it's, there. That's what it is. Yes. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah. Uh, I think we got to talk about the theme song. Oh, yeah. It's it's uh, a bop. It, it slaps. It is yeah. a banger. It goes so hard. Um, I I almost like stopped it and messaged you. I'm like, I already found the silver lining. It's been 11 seconds. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just... Uh, it's just I think it's called Santa Claus is the best or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the name, but it's it's great. But like they just it's like S-A-N-T-A-C-L-A-U-S Santa Claus is the best or so. That's not the actual tune, but it's pretty close. Hold on. Let uh, me and see. It's, let and me it's see. amazing. I mean, the movie's in public domain, so that has to mean that the song is also in public domain, right? That's how things work. That I think so. This is my first time watching this movie. I had never, Same. never watched it before. Yeah. Um, and bringing Hooray for Santa Claus into my life. Uh, it's a gift. It's a, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Like, it is so delightful. Uh, and yeah, it just, that made me smile immediately. A lot of this movie made me smile. It's like, it's, it knows what it is, but it exists in a way that's not winky the way that like something similar would be made today yeah i do think i appreciate yeah i do appreciate that i think that is worth yeah highlighting of there is sort of that like post ironic (laughs) approach to things now where it's like i'm making a bad movie and it's like they're making a bad movie they're aware that they're making a bad movie but they're trying to make the best movie that they can with what they have available (laughs) Right. Like, I love Velocipaster, mm-hmm. one of the many movies that we watched this year. Uh, but that being said, like, Velocipaster, there's like, I'm amazed any of the characters can open both eyes at the same time with how much winking there is going on. Yes. Yeah. 100%. You know, um, but this movie, like, it's dumb, it's cheesy, but it felt like the people there were having fun. Like, they were throwing themselves into the roles, uh, you know, and just, you know, hamming it up to the exact degree that the movie needed. Like it's, this is, it's not a good movie. Like I don't want to get that message across in any way, but like it felt like they cared about it while they were making it. And that, I mean, that made me happy. It, it slapped as sure, but like they tried to make the best movie they could given the tools they were presented. Yes. Yeah. 100%. By the way, one, one other silver lining we have to mention that we haven't mentioned yet is uh, this is also the on screen debut of Pia Zadora. So, yeah, icon of uh, B movies throughout history, and yeah, uh, you know, uh, yeah, she's she's great. Pia Zadora is a delight, and this is she plays Germar. 
Mm-hmm. We, the which, girl we, Martian. I was going to say, we've already established you can figure out who she is, like, based the on girl that Martian. Name. But yeah, uh, on-screen debut of her. I want it. Look, we talked about it, and I'd say we talked about it thoroughly, but we're in the silver linings portion, so I'm going to say once again, that robot... <laughs> That robot was like, I was enjoying the movie. And then that robot entered Santa's workshop and it brought a smile to my face. You know, at the end of the Grinch, when the Grinch has the ear to ear smile, that was the smile on my face watching a classic 1960s robot clank its way into Santa's workshop, pick up an elf, squeeze it, and then, you know, ultimately kidnap Santa Claus perfect yeah oh oh it was so like oh and just the fact that it was pitched that this robot was as menacing as gort from the day the earth stood still (laughs) um (laughs) i'm just gonna i'm gonna plea with hollywood in 2023 let's bring back the 1960s robot it's missed find a way to make it work and not and and don't do it ironically like no, you have to treat it like it's the most terrifying robot that you've ever... Like, everyone has to, like, accept the reality of this robot being a terrible, menacing robot. And I would say I'm even okay if you do, like, a, the whatever the 2022 special effects version of 60s robot is. I still like, think I you put th- a guy in a suit. Don't do CGI. <laughs> Um, well, right. But I'm saying, like, think about, like, what modern makeup technology is, things like that. Like, still have it be very clearly a guy in a, in a guy in a garbage can. But, like, you know, smooth out the edges. How amazing would it have been? Look, obviously things worked out for them. And obviously this movie is remembered fondly. But what if in the original Robert Downey Jr. Iron Man... When he's building it with scraps, uh, what if he built a robot that looked like this? What if that was the first Iron Man suit? I mean, the first Iron Man in the movie even doesn't look that far different. Like Wait. it does that. That does kind of look like the the twenty or two thousand and eight at this point effects version of a sixties robot. But I think if they leaned, if he had clamp hands and like <laughs> off oh, the clamp hands, yeah. But yeah, like if they just, I would love for them to fully like Robbie the automaton. I miss just it. Go, just go all in, you know. Um, ah, that would be delightful. I think the last great on-screen robot was Johnny Five from Short Circuit, and I think it's all been downhill from there. Interesting question. Or the Iron the giant, giant, if we're counting animation. But if we're, I mean, the Iron Giant's a great on-screen robot. Yeah. Um, I mean, there haven't been a lot of, like, really great on-screen, like, just as robots as characters hasn't been as much of a thing. I mean, Transformers, been, but the new Transformers models are not good. Right. There's been, like, AI things, like in, um, what's the one with Oscar Isaac and Alicia Vikander? Um, anyways star wars yeah that's the one um yeah uh, moon knight is the one i'm thinking yeah of. Yeah, yeah thank you <laughs> uh drive that's that's the movie uh inside lewin davis yes 
uh, Inside Lewin Davis with the robotic John Goodman. <laughs> Some of his best work. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, there, and you know, like BB-8 was adorable. I don't want to take anything away from BB-8. Big fan. But yeah, there hasn't been a lot of great, like, you know, Ultron was stupid. Well, and I'm sure some nerd would point out that, like, that's a droid, not a robot. <laughs> can you hear the jerk off motion I'm doing out there? I, mean, I can see it, but yeah, for the audience. <laughs> I think you knew. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. You we knew. felt it, I think. Um, but yeah, so uh, bring back 60s robot in something. Yeah. If we get to make Jason goes to court. There might be a 60s robot in Jason Goes and to I Court. Want, if, if we get to make a, a 60s robot, I want to do like the full on Frankenstein moment. Like I want a 60s robot on a slab that breaks out of its shackles and like shambles out of the room to throw a little girl into a lake. OK, no, here's here it is. Right. <laughs> we make a movie called 60s robot. OK, I'm already in love with this. All right. So the movie is called 60s Robot. It's essentially a Frankenstein remake, as you said. Yeah. But um, this kid is just like, for whatever reason, his obsession is 60s sci-fi. But he's also like a technological whiz kid. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, you know what? I think life would be easier if I had a robot companion. So he tries to build a robot. And of course, you know, not going to build something that looks humanoid or whatever. He's like, no, I'm going to build a working functioning sixties robot. And it's going to be, uh, it's going to be my new robot best friend. And then it isn't. And it like, it runs amok and it's, it's actually menacing. And the people react to it as menacingly as they, as it is deserved because it, you know, it has, the, it has a sinister vibe to it. And it's, you know, it raises all the questions of, you know, the, the morality of creating artificial intelligence and creating life when there isn't life uh, that Frankenstein did. Um, and it uh, wins a Saturn award, the movie, because we're so good. Not an award on the planet Saturn. We have to clarify that in the Santa Claus Conquers the Martians episode. No, no, I, di I meant winning an award on the planet Saturn. Oh, OK. Well, yeah, that too, then. I mean, if we win a sci-fi Saturn award, that'd be cool. But no, I want to win. A Saturn Award. I feel like we we have a good chance because I don't think there's a lot of competition. They might be living underground in yeah. a gas giant. They might be living on one of the rings. As long as we don't win an award in Uranus. <laughs> good night, everybody. <laughs> Silver Linings Playback is a production of HoboTrashCan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. Hi, everyone. I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Stephanie Smar. And this is Stephanie Knows Some Shit, where every week we are going to tap into Stephanie's brain and share with you some of the insight that she has about cooking, shopping, Top Chef, all of the things that you want to know. Yeah, we're going to tell some stories, enjoy some time together, and really dive into the things that you might be afraid to Google. We might have the answer. I actually, I'm pretty confident we do. 